This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us for this special weekend edition of the podcast is Bill Crystal, who we have dragged out of bed. Normally, you'd be sitting uh, having your croissant and tea brought by your manservant. Yes, Bill? Is that right, Michael? No, that's you. That's the way, that's the way talk radio hosts live. Uh, I forgot. I knew it was one of I'm us. Actually, I'm actually packing up to get on a plane to go to Aspen, Colorado, which I certainly can't complain about. I've only been there, I think, once, but I gather it's a very beautiful place. But I agreed. I, I said no a few times. Uh, to participate in a couple of panels at the Aspen Ideas Festival. I believe the distribution of political views at the Aspen Ideas Festival is about 299 against me. <laughs> so I'm going to go there and explain explain how much I admire Justice Scalia's dissent in, uh, in Friday's uh, same-sex marriage case, how much I admire uh, the, uh, how much I dislike Justice Roberts's opinion in the Obamacare case, why I don't think we should rip up every statue of Robert E. Lee, in the United States, and I'm sure I'll be a popular guy out there. Two ninety-nine to one sounds like a fair fight to me. Well, let's talk yeah, about nice about the wh- what is it that you dislike most about the two two Supreme Court rulings this week? Well, I think the obvious point, which is that what happened to some pretense of interpreting the Constitution. Obviously, there are reasonable people can differ on: do you do original intent, or do you do the strict literal meaning, or does it even evolve? But this is so far beyond any plausible notion that the justices are interpreting the Constitution, as opposed to, you know, reading tea leaves of public opinion and imposing their own uh, wishes for the country. That I think it's a—I don't know. Roe v. Wade was awful. There were other awful decisions, but this is a pretty. This is pretty far out there in terms of just, you know, let's have the Supreme Court resolve issues for us and not pretend anymore that we're a constitutional democracy. And the same on the Obamacare decision. What happened to the rule of law? I mean, Justice Roberts tortured the statute to get to a, an outcome. I think he wanted to keep the court out of a political out of the political fray and stuff. I, I think it's, it's, it's less damaging to torture a statute than to invent a fundamental constitutional right. But in both cases... You know, we tell Americans, we tell people to obey the law, respect the Constitution, and I think I, I really do think these things do serious damage to the social fabric. Yeah, I agree, and uh, doesn't ha- help that not only did the justices not feel even the need to pretend they were following the Constitution. That's pretty sad when you've got uh, Justice Kennedy writing passages that would be absolutely beautiful in a romance novel, but have no you know, place in a legal finding. But then to have the advocates of Obamacare and same-sex marriage taking this victory lap in a very aggressive, off-putting way. Have you seen the TV ad, Bill? I forget what the product is, where this woman makes a decision, it turns out right, and so she tells everyone else, stick it! And it shows her going from room to room, you know, waking up her dad to say, stick it! You know, just letting him know, I was right and you were wrong. 
it's just so how do you keep your sense of goodwill and that you know democracy works when people just want an anti-democratic victory and their only answer is to say ha ha stinks to be you no the last cult the degree of kind of cultural aggression on the left is really striking you see it on the confederate flag issue where i was i'm for have always been for taking down the confederate flag but where they now quickly moved on in a kind of french revolution type way to you know, destroying anything that shows any respect for any individuals that fought for the Confederacy, that acknowledges there was a Confederacy, that, that you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Fifty years after Gettysburg, the uh, veterans of, the, of both sides of the war assembled at Gettysburg in a famous kind of reunion. They presented flags to each other as a symbol of binding the nation's wounds. Now, look, I'm not a total fan of the way that was done. Obviously, it was done at the expense of African Americans in the South, especially with Jim Crow and all that. And that's a perfectly legitimate thing to criticize. It's perfectly legitimate to therefore say, let's make some adjustments. But And we have made, God knows, many adjustments over recent decades. But to kind of just extirpate history, to, as you say, glory in, in five justices doing something and then pretending this was, we did this, this was our effort. And also just the juvenile character of it. Love, you know, the hashtag, now that I'm on Twitter, of course, I... All my all my views of life are colored too much, I'm sure, by Twitter. But the hashtag love wins. I mean, that's really. I mean, is that you know? I'm I'm for love. But, um, is is this sort of their analysis of how a constitution is supposed to work? How the rule of law is supposed to work? How a political system can work? Uh, there's a piece being going around that seems to be taken seriously. I think it's in Foreign Policy magazine that maybe a gay marriage can help defeat ISIS. And you sort of think, I mean, uh, presumably, presumably the author's not being serious and is being provocative and all that, but, but you look at Obama's foreign policy and you sort of wonder, well, maybe, maybe the author is being serious. And that's so distressing. This, you, what you have is you have a group of people who are trying to make, a, I think, a serious argument about how democracy should work and how we should live which is we have this legal system every change is possible all we ask is that you use the system and then when there's a vote and you win it and I think uh, advocates for same-sex marriage would win it and so you win it let's say you know uh, 200 million votes to 100 million votes that the 100 million who lost had the chance to be heard and even though they lost they should still be respected then you have the other side that says forget all that noise we know what we want we have somehow cobbled together the power to get it and not only are we going to get it illegitimately we're going to force it upon you and then beat the snot out of you and claim that your desire to have a democratic process in fact shows that you're a racist bigoted hater well, and then claim, I think then try to make it virtually impermissible to say, look, we lost the court decision. Obviously, our states will all have same-sex marriage, but I continue to think, if I wanted to say this, I continue to think that it's not the right way to organize our society, that there's a distinction between traditional marriage and same-sex relationships, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if it will be legitimate to say that on a college campus next year. I wonder if I go to the Aspen Ideas Festival and just make what is a common-sense statement, and maybe right or maybe wrong. It was a statement that Barack Obama made five, six years ago, and Hillary Clinton and everyone else. Uh, but they won't really even say that now in, in sort of respectable company. And so the kind of closing up, the, the mob psychology does lead to a serious closing of, uh, closing of the American mind, to use Alan Bloom's famous title. Uh, and that's really dangerous. And then you get a reaction to that, which, I mean, I hope there is a strong reaction. I and mean, that can also be kind of, you know, go off the rails in the sense that people can just say, there's no more constitutional law in this country. I'm checking out. I'm kind of leaving the political scene or I'm going to resort to civil disobedience. None of that's really a happy outcome either. So I, I think we're in for very, we're in, we're in strange times. And I think we're in much rockier waters ahead than people think.
Uh, so what then should uh, the response from people who still believe in the Constitution and believe in letting individuals pick their own health care, what should they do going forward? What is the right strategy for conservatives and or the Republicans? Well, there are a lot of deep things that should be done about the educational system and all that. I, I do think this is a perfectly sort of obvious and prosaic answer, but I think it's right. I do think winning the 2016 election with the best possible candidate, best possible in the sense of uh, most able to win, and best possible in the sense of having a serious and deep commitment to the Constitution, to the rule of law, to individual liberty, to American strength uh, in the world. I mean, that really is crucial, because if, if the 2016 election goes to Hillary Clinton or some other Democrat, then the Supreme Court is, go, is gone for 30 years, not just for the one. You know, these decisions will just be the sort of the, the, the foretaste of things to come. And Obamacare is here forever, and, and the kind of political correctness will just continue. I was talking with someone who teaches in, at, at the university this week, and she made the point that we underestimate how much damage, for example, the Obama uh, Education Department's Office of Civil Rights Interpretation of Title IX has done in enforcing political correctness on campus. It really gave a kind of litigiousness, a lawsuit power to any student who feels they're all offended by anything that's said. And so that's where you get this kind of craziness with safe spaces and with trigger warnings and all that. And, and professors, including liberal professors, feminist professors, being dragged through uh, long proceedings and intimidated. And so government does make a difference. Politics continues to make a difference. Um, I do think for Republicans and conservatives, this really heightens the stakes in 2016. Oh, no, I agree with that, but I wonder if there isn't also an opportunity, and there's two levels. One is that what happened this week is now for a, a lot of, assuming that uh, the party doesn't follow Mike Huckabee down the we need a constitutional amendment to stop same-sex marriage uh, path, they've got the opportunity to get an issue that was already going the other way off the table. And the uh, Confederate flag stuff has taken a lot, you know, the, the, I'll say in South Carolina, for example, that certainly has set the issue aside. It's not going to be a stumbling mm -hmm. block for Republicans in, in that early state primary. And so that leaves Obamacare on the table, which now Hillary Clinton has to defend and which remains just as unpopular today as it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. So Republicans can really foc on, focus on the policy where the people are. And I think that's an, uh, one opportunity. And the second thing, Bill, I think is that this is now now that the you know crazed left if you will has been unleashed i think a lot of typical moderate centrist voters are going to see this you know this gloating and this like you said that from the tr from trigger warnings to you know uh, uh, I, uh, apple pulling the confederate war games off of their you know game game service that normal people are going to go you know what i'm not crazy and that's going to cause a natural desire to kind of go away from the extreme of the left which is going to be more evident than it traditionally is so those are the two silver linings i see am i am i fooling myself i have already been drinking this morning so am i fooling myself no no, no. i think that's actually a very good analysis and i would just say it, it puts the republican candidates though in a, a tricky position i mean a, a complicated position which is i think they, on the one hand, I think it's perfectly reasonable to sort of privately heave a bit of a sigh of relief that maybe they don't have to litigate certain issues over the next year and a half, and they can just say, unfortunately, the courts resolved this isn't the way I would have done it. I'm going to appoint different kinds of justices, et cetera. Um, and those are issues where they might have been on, on the wrong side of where public opinion was going, and at least uh, sort of centrist, independent public opinion. On the other hand, I do think Republican, uh, the so-called conservative base, will correctly, not not foolishly, but correctly, 
uh, want to see that candidates understand the depth of what's happening, the urgency of the moment, the, the kind of, the, that this isn't just about let's improve this policy by 12 degrees and let's cut this program by, you know, a billion dollars because it's wasting some money, that we really are at a fork in the road. So you, how do you, if you want to put it in a simple way, how do you not be on the one hand just kind of an accommodationist establishment Republican and on the other hand not look like, let's say, Mike Huckabee, I don't know if it's fair or not to Huckabee, but let's just say Mike Huckabee caricature where you're right. banging your head on the wall and denouncing your fellow citizens. And so that's not the easiest thing to pull off politically, I, but I think the candidate who can do it, I very much agree with you, will be in a very in a very strong position. And I think to me, one of the things that I think would be helpful is if people would focus back on what their own first principles are. In other words, why are you really upset with the Supreme Court ruling? Is it because you do have some animus towards gay people, or is it really because you look at a country where we have this great system where we could have changed the law together, and instead the, the Constitution is, you know, has been severely damaged or trust in government damaged, and that's something to honestly get angry about. And I think if the candidate can focus on that part of it, I think the base will respond to that in, in a very strong way without off, being off-putting to the um, American people whose attitude on same-sex marriage and constitution is quite frankly framed by the TV sitcom Modern Family. Right, and also worry about practical issues like religious freedom. There will really be problems now. And that's something where I think candidates can, I mean, need to think about legislation. They need to think about how we do make sure that uh, suddenly, you know, uh, rabbis and priests aren't required to do things they think are wrong or hospital. You know, there's just a million religious institutions that obviously could could be in the crosshairs now. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a big moment. It's a big challenge politically, maybe an opportunity politically as well. Somehow, when you get through all that, I, I still find it to a bit of a depressing week, but I'm going to... Uh, have a drink, follow in your footsteps, have a drink, and try to cheer myself up. Have fun in Aspen, two ninety nine to 1. We'll uh, see if you make it back safely. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly with podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.